Hello, everyone, and welcome to Little Farms Chapel's evening service. Let's take a moment to stand and greet one another. So tonight we are going to start with number 243, How Firm a Foundation, number 243.
next song is going to be number 435, Not What My Hands Have Done, number 435.
last song will be number 531, Nearer Still Nearer. And if we could do the third verse a cappella, number 
Thank you so much, Ella and Nicole. Great song selections this evening. Uh, just by way of a few announcements this evening, uh, we'll have Beyond, the College and Careers group, uh, following the evening worship service. Uh, as far as the back, sign-ups on the back table for the chili cook-off, we have all the families that we need, so game on Saturday afternoon at 3.30 to 5 for the chili cook-off, and also the meal has been taken care of for February 7th. So thank you for those who signed up. Uh, we look forward to a great time together. With that, let's join together now in a time of silent prayer. Please rise for our call to worship. This evening, our call to worship is taken from Psalm 103, verses 8 to 12. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Receive now the Lord's greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. And all the earth. You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Your invisible attributes, your eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen through what you have made. The heavens declare your glory. You are the governor and sustainer of all things, and in you all things hold together. In you we live and move and have our being. You have numbered even the, the hairs upon our heads. Not even a sparrow falls from a tree apart from your will. We praise you, our God, for these, your great works of creation and providence. Above all, we praise you for the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. There is no other Savior. There is no other rock to whom the ends of the earth may turn to be saved. We rejoice that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to be our Savior in spite of our many sins. You gave us your spirit to abide with us and in us and to teach us all things. May we have fellowship with you now, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we worship you and sing your praises this evening hour. May this worship be acceptable to you. We ask this all in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. With that, please remain standing as we turn to Psalm number 103a, number 103a, Psalm number 103a, bless the Lord, O my soul, we'll sing all the stanzas of 103a.
may be seated. evening as we come together for congregational prayer. We want to be sure that we uh, remember the team in Costa Rica and those who are working hard for uh, the Lord there and for those who are dealing with the various sicknesses. We think of Christina Lloyd and Paul DeGraff and Tom Van Dyke and their continued treatments uh, and, and also that we would um, pray for the, the unchurched, that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. With that, uh, let's come together this evening for a time of congregational prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come together, to join together as your people, to sing your praises, to hear from your word, Lord, to fellowship with one another. Thank you so much for the great salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Father, we know that we have not earned it, we are not worthy of it, but we thank you for the grace that you have shown us in your Son. And Father, we also thank you that you have called us together to be part of one body, Christ's one body, that that in our union with Christ we have the opportunity to come together Lord's Day after Lord's Day and bring before you our prayers and supplication with thanksgiving because of this great salvation that we have. And so, Father, we come and Father, we, we, we praise you. We praise you for the visitors and the guests that we have been receiving here at Little Farms. We thank you, Lord, for full pews and for the opportunity to get to know other brothers and sisters in the Lord. We thank you uh, for the blessing that, that is the live stream, that those who would not normally be able to hear the word of God might be able to hear it and learn from it, that they might be fed, that they might even come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through it. And so we pray that you would be with the proper use of this live stream, uh, that it would be pleasing to you. And Father, we also thank you for uh, the many pregnancies in our congregation. We, we pray that you would continue to be with the Huttingas and the Cox and the Vandentops. And Father, we thank you so much for these covenant children that you have blessed us with. And we thank you for those who have just arrived. We thank you for the healthy birth of Henry Thomas Boudreaux this past Tuesday night. And, and, and Father, we just praise you that he's healthy and that Elizabeth is, is healing well. And we pray that you would continue to be with her as she heals. Thank you so much, Lord, for this covenant child. Thank you for Silas too. Father, we also praise you for the safe arrival of the team to Costa Rica in light of everything uh, that sounds like uh, happened with, with having to get to, to Detroit to fly. And Lord, we thank you for the use of the church van that they were able to do so. And we thank you that you brought them there safely. We thank you for the long list of projects that have already been done. We pray that you would continue to be with them as they paint and weld, as Pastor Bob teaches at presbytery conferences, uh, as your word is preached. And Father, we just pray that they would be a blessing to your church there in Costa Rica. It's amazing to think that we are all of the same body of Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for this team that has gone down, and we just pray that you would continue to watch over them. Father, we also thank you that we could see our sister Brenda Trumper back with us here today. We thank you for the ways that you have sustained her, that you have got her through this recent bout of illness. And, and Father, we just thank you uh, that she's been able to join us here for worship today. And Father, we also come to you with our petitions. 
We pray for those who, who can't physically join us here in the body at Little Farms. We think of Lana, we think of Dick, we think of Mary Captine. We pray, Lord, that you would be with them, that, that they would feel close to you, that they would feel loved by their congregation, uh, that, that you would be honored and glorified through that. Please be with uh, this brother and these sisters. Please also be with Christina Lloyd and Paul DeGraff and Tom Van Dyke with their continued treatments that, uh, Lord, if it be your will, you would, you would heal them. You would grant them relief. And Father, we thank you so much for the testimonies of, of, of the sister and these brothers as they're going through their, their various uh, treatments. Father, we also pray for those uh, who are going through various sicknesses during this time of year, for those who have uh, been frustrated with prolonged illness. We just pray that you would continue to lift them up, that you would sustain them, that if it be your will, Father, that you would, you would end these sicknesses, that they might be able to regularly be with us at this time, that we can enjoy sweet fellowship with them, that we, we can praise you together. Father, we thank you that, that Judy Mulder is uh, recovering, that she was back with us even this morning. We continue to pray for, for Tricia Horling with her pain, that, Lord, doctors would find some answer, that um, our sister would find relief, that she would find answers. And we pray that you would continue to bless that search. Father, we also continue to pray for the Rudy family as, as they continue to mourn the loss of Bonnie's mother, that we rejoice with you, uh, that she is with you and that she is no longer suffering. Um, we know that you know, the, the recent funeral and everything is still hard. Uh, and especially with as close as they were, Father, we, we realize that, that this was a big thing in their lives. And we just thank you so much for the grace that you have extended us in Jesus Christ. That, that during this time that they can have confidence because of the finished work of Christ. Uh, that, that, that she is with you, Lord. We just pray uh, for comfort during this time. We also pray for, for Andrew and Katie Shepherd with the passing of Andrew's grandmother this past week down in Florida. We thank you for the opportunity for all the siblings to be there to say their goodbyes, to read your scripture, to, to sing hymns together. And Father, we, we continue to ask for traveling mercies as, as people make the trip back from Florida and, and arrangements are made. We pray for Andrew's grandfather now, uh, a widower that he would know you, that he would know your peace, that he would rest in you in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for the continued safety of that team in Costa Rica, that you would bless them in their efforts, that you would be glorified in it, that they would have lasting impact in that country. We also ask, Father, for traveling mercies for those who are either returning from, from long trips or going on long trips we, we just pray that you would be with them, and that you would keep them safe. And Father, we also pray that you'd be with our session as they, uh, as they seek to find a new man to serve the body here at Little Farms. Grant them wisdom. Lord, make the right candidates known. And Father, please bless the search uh, process, that, that this church would be served well, that they would be fed your word, that, that they would... Uh, Lord, continue to grow. Father, we also pray for those who are, are from our body or who are connected to our body that are serving in the military. We think of Rich and Max and Christopher and Matthew and Diamond. We pray that you would be with these men as they seek to serve their country, that they would do so in a God-honoring way, that, that you would protect them and keep them, 
that you would do great things in them for, you, for your kingdom. Father, we also pray for our friends of Little Farms, those who are not walking with the Lord. We think of John and Jacob and Jerry and Mike and Jim, and Father, we pray that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that if any of us here could play any part of that, that you would use us as your instruments as we seek to, to make the truth of the gospel known to, to them, to, to, to be ready with the reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Father, we also pray for, for Raj and Sherry Vanderjack's daughter, Karen, who's battling cancer and going through more tests. Father, we just pray that, that you would be with her and her husband, that, that you would be with Raj and, and Sherry as, as they seek to minister to their daughter through this, that they would all rest in your sovereignty, Father, that they would rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for the testimony that they have already shown as they go through this. We know that you are the great physician, that you can do all things, and we just pray that if it be your will, Karen would be healed, uh, that you would be with the doctors as uh, they, they pursue treatment options, that you would be glorified in this, whatever the outcome may be. Father, we know that you are working to will and to work your good pleasure, and we just pray that, that this family would be able to rest in that at this time. And lastly, Father, we pray that you'd be with our leaders, that you'd be with our local officials and our state officials and our national officials, that they would lead according to your word. Father, we pray for converted hearts, for, for those who are not walking with you to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to live according to your precepts. Lord, to, to lead our country and legislate in such a way that it reflects your moral law, that it reflects the grace of Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would be glorified in, in those things. Help us to navigate the things of this world in such a way uh, that, that if we can be used in that, that you would, you would use us, Lord. Father, we know that you are a God of means and that you are capable of doing all things. Lord, we just pray that you would change hearts and minds, that we would serve you well, that we would live according to your word, according to the ways that you have given us, according to the ways that we were created to live. Father, please continue to be with now, us now in this evening's worship. May it be pleasing unto you. We ask this all in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite our deacons to come forward as we give of our tithes and offerings. This evening's offering is for Grace Legacy Builders. Uh, we pray that uh, you would give generously to the glory of God that, that this ministry uh, might be blessed through it. Thank you.
Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we give thanks for the privilege of giving to your kingdom, to Grace Legacy Builders, and we just pray that you'd bless them and that they may use these funds to your honor and glory. And just bless that organization that many may come to know you and others may come closer to you, we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This time I'd like to invite you to turn in your Trinity Psalter hymnals to page 851 there in the back. As we rise to join together and corporately confess that which Christ's church has confessed for nearly 2,000 years using the words of the Apostles' Creed. After which we'll remain standing as we sing hymn number 352, Man of Sorrows, What a Name. So page 851, as we rise to say the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father. Turn now to hymn number 352 as we sing Man of Sorrows, What a Name, 352.
Please turn with me now in your Bibles, if you would, to our text this evening. We'll be starting Isaiah 52, verses 13 through 53, 3. So Isaiah chapter 52, starting at verse 13. Isaiah chapter 52, starting at verse 13. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inerrant, breathed out word. Isaiah 52, starting at verse 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that they should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Since the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give thanks for this portion of your word so that we may study the study of Jesus Christ and just pray that you'd bless us as we under, as, that we understand this properly and just ask your blessing on Pastor Mark as he brings this to us that he may do so. And with your will, we pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what comes to mind when you hear the word hero? Maybe it's those colorful, muscle-bound, spandex-clad men and women from the pages of comic books. That's Marvel movies for you kids today. Maybe military heroes like those who, who gave their lives for our freedom. Maybe it's those first responders who risked their lives in times of crisis. Maybe it's the one who humbly and altruistically speaks up for the marginalized. Whatever the case may be, I would wager to guess that, that the image that was brought to mind was one of strength. Your hero had the ability to get things done and was admired for being able to do so. He or she was probably looked up to. They, they were admired, if not outright revered, by the masses. They were celebrated. They were trusted. But as we look to our passage here this evening, we will see that, that not all heroes are, create, are, are treated equally. And that the greatest hero of all time was actually, is still actually, even rejected by the very ones he came to save. In spite of this, we can see that because God has provided us with his high and lifted up and very exalted servant, we can rest in him. And to do this, we're going to be looking at three things this evening. First, we're going to be looking at the announcement of God's servant. Second, we're going to be looking at the rejection of our hero. 
And third, we are going to be looking at God's fulfillment in Christ. Again, if you're taking notes, that's the announcement of God's servant, the rejection of our hero, and lastly, God's fulfillment in Christ. So to get things started, let's take a look at our first point this evening, the announcement of God's servant. So here at the beginning of our, our passage this evening, the first of a three-part mini-series on this, on this section, we're told to, to behold, to look, to take special note of God's servant. Just for a little context, up until this point, there have been three other servant songs, they're called, or, or, or poems in the book of Isaiah. You can see them if you want to look back later in chapter 42, verses 1 through 4, Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 6, and Isaiah 50, verses 4 through 7. These servant songs are announcing the one who will come to bring justice and establish God's people from the ends of the earth. Now in this fourth and final servant song, even more is revealed about this servant of God. So, what are some of the things verse 13 tells us about God's servant? First of all, we, we notice that he is in fact, first and foremost, a servant. That is to say, he isn't in this for himself, but rather he is acting on God's behalf. This mighty arm of the Lord, the, the one who represents the power of God that we also read about in chapter 53, verse 1 in our passage later is just that. He is of the Lord. We also see that the servant will act wisely. A better way of understanding this is that, that he will surely accomplish all of his purposes. The text here is, is not merely saying that the servant will be a wise man, but that he will actually accomplish everything that he sets out to do. Therefore, God's people can, can take comfort in this servant because he will not fail. He cannot fail. This is not letting the chips fall where they may. This is placing your bet, your, your, your livelihood in this case, your, your eternal life on God's ringer. This is being given all the answers to the test before taking it. This, this is a sure thing. But how can we as God's people have this sort of confidence? Well, all we have to do is look at the next clause here in verse 13 where it says, He shall be high and lifted up. There's so much packed into this, this one little phrase in the book of Isaiah this phrase, high and lifted up, is only used three other times in the, the whole of the Old Testament, all of which are in the book of Isaiah. We see it in Isaiah's vision of the Lord in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, where Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. We see it in Isaiah chapter 33, verse 10, where God says, Now I will arise, now I will lift myself up, now I will be exalted. And in just a, a, a few more chapters in Isaiah 57, verse 15, God is referred to as the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. So what's the significance of God's servant being referred to as high and lifted up? It's pointing to the very fact that this wise servant, this, this mighty arm of the Lord is in fact God himself. 
And friends, that is why we can take comfort in the actions of this servant. Isaiah's audience was was looking for deliverance from Assyria in Hezekiah's day, this, this military giant that destroyed whole peoples. They knew what it was like to live in fear. They knew what it was like to to hope in a savior, to hope for the Messiah. And in light of today's circumstances, how often are we looking for this this type of hero? Someone to swoop in and deliver us from all of our suffering. Someone or something to right all the wrongs. Somebody to make us feel secure. We are just as broken and weak as these Israelites were back then despite our best efforts. We are, just, we are in just as much need of help as they were. And we need to see that, that God is graciously providing uh, that to humanity here in this servant. But what is humanity's response? This brings us to our second point in the sermon this evening. The rejection of our hero. The rejection of our hero. So we are presented with this high and lifted up servant. And how is he received? The world scoffs at him. They say he doesn't look the part. We read here in verse 14 about the first of two shocks in our passage tonight. We read that many were astonished. They were shocked by our servant's appearance you see, he wasn't, he wasn't the hero that they had prepared for. Think about it. When you were a kid, your hero was the one with the rippling muscles and the amazing abilities, not the one look, that looked like he had already lost the battle. was only hanging on to life by a thread, right? This was also the case all those years ago. If we think back to the history of Israel, we, we can see this with their selection of King Saul. They wanted a king that was like all the nations rather than for God to be king over them. So God sent Samuel to anoint Saul, the son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin. And what do we read about Saul? If we look at 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2, what we read is a handsome, he was a handsome young man. There's not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. This is the kind of servant the people of the world are looking for. But we read here that our servant's appearance was so marred that it was beyond human semblance. And that his form was beyond that of the children of mankind. God's servant experienced many sufferings at the hands of those he came to save. And these violent sufferings that he bore in his flesh left their mark. They were sufferings that disfigured him. He experienced physical, mental, and spiritual anguish for his people as he carried out his service to his father. One theologian puts it this way in his commentary. He says, the point is that instead of the servant demonstrating that he was the gift of God through his various attractiveness, the very opposite was true. We are repelled by the face of self-giving and undefensiveness and appalled by the visage of one who would prefer to lose than to win for the wrong reasons. Whatever attractiveness he might have for 
people, uh, sorry, rather, whatever attractiveness he might have for people will have to be from within, for it is certainly not on the surface. God's servant was not given according to our standards, but according to God's standards. He is the hero that nobody ever hoped for, but the one that we all needed most. The second shock that we see comes in verse 15. Please note the markings in your Bibles here. I'm reading from the ESV, but the word sprinkle can also be rendered startle. Now, now, now this can be taken one of two ways. Either God's servant is sprinkling his people with the blood of his physical sufferings as a purifying sacrifice, or it means that the bewilderment that went out to the nations in verse 14 is continuing at a much higher level to a much more unique set of people here in verse 15. But either way, this exalted servant from verse 13 that that is viewed so lowly here in these following verses is the same one that will shock not only the common people of the nations, not your your run-of-the-mill Jewish person or Gentile, but also the kings of those nations, the exalted elite of this world. The best the world has to offer will be rendered silent on account of him. After all, what is the creature compared to the creator? They can do nothing but lay prostrate at his feet, is what it says in Isaiah 49 verse 7. And in spite of this humiliation of God's anointed, these kings will have their mouths shut by him. Though they refrain from looking at him, they will see. And though they choose not to hear, they will understand. God's suffering servant will not fail in his task. As we continue into verse 1, the question is, who is going to believe in a deliverer like this? This mighty arm of the Lord who wins on all worldly accounts by losing. Verse 2, Isaiah speaks of God's mighty arm in terms that will contradict all worldly wisdom. How would we describe a hero to the average person we see walking down the the street even today? Would it be, hey, you know what? My deliverer is this young plant. And not like a strong plant either, but, but like one of those teeny tiny little shoots that even a toddler can just walk over and pluck up. Like some emaciated little root coming out of that dry patch of ground over there. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking. The one that's right there on the edge of death. No, we don't talk like that. This doesn't make sense to, you know, to any worldly reason. But this is the picture that God paints of his servant. And who is he painting this picture for? The pronoun that we see here is we, which begs the question, who is this we referring to? Is the prophet referring to the nations of the previous verses? Seems unlikely. Is the prophet speaking to the collective voice of of all the prophets? No. Isaiah is speaking for Israel as one of them. So so who is it that uh, perceives this deliverer with no former majesty? Who sees no beauty that they should desire him? It's the very people that he came to save. It's the Israelites then, and it's you and me now, apart from the grace of God. A fallen humanity 
are the ones that are rejecting this Savior. It's as our text says here in verse 3, he was despised and rejected by the very people he came to save. God's servant is viewed as worthless, someone who is unworthy of attention. He's utterly dismissed by those whom he came to save. They see him, they judge him, and they immediately jump to the next thing in their minds. They, they jump to the next thing that they think will actually work. He is this man of sorrows. He's, he's acquainted with grief. These are not the descriptions of a winner. These are not the descriptions of a hero. These, these are not the descriptions of a savior, according to the world's standards. This is the guy who makes you turn the other way when he's approaching because you pity him. Because you're embarrassed by him. Because he makes you feel awkward. This isn't the man that you look up to. This isn't even the type of man that you, the world looks to in the eye. The very people our servant came to save despised him and esteemed him not. Instead of love and fidelity, he's met with scorn and derision. How many times are the perceived deliverers in our own lives not this one that has so graciously been given us by God? How many times as Christians do we turn to those things that, that look attractive to us in this day and age? That account balance, that special someone, that political candidate. Really, whatever the particular flavor of your idolatry might be. Now, this isn't to say that financial security or meaningful relationships or, or a certain way of leading are necessarily wrong. It's just a plea to view them in their proper perspective. They can all be good and healthy things in the right context. But make no mistake that God's servant here, this deliverer, this savior, is who we need to focus on. Not the flashy things provided by, by the reason of this world. Only he can truly give you what you need. But who is this great servant? This brings us to our final point this evening. God's fulfillment in Jesus Christ. God's fulfillment in Christ. So fortunately, brothers and sisters, we being on this side of the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, know that this high and lifted up and very exalted servant, this, this mighty arm of the Lord is none other than Jesus Christ. And we know this because these, uh, these passages from Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 3 are referenced multiple times in speaking of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. There is no doubt that Jesus Christ is this suffering servant. Paul writes about Christ being highly exalted in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. I'd like to invite you all to turn there with me. I know that we, we've been going through this in our Philippians series, but I'd like to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 11, through 11. And we'll see here that, that he's referencing Isaiah 52, 13 and 14. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Paul says, have this in mind, have this mind rather among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, 
did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has what? Highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That same high and lifted up, right there, highly exalted. Jesus Christ is this servant that we see in Isaiah 52 and 53. And after speaking of the importance of the gospel message and those who carry it, Paul says again in Romans 10, 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel that is, the sal- that is salvation in Jesus Christ. And then he says, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So again, he's aligning Jesus Christ with the fulfillment of what's being said in Isaiah. Again, in Romans 15, Paul directly quotes from Isaiah 52, 15, in speaking of his mission to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, to the nations, right? Where it has never been heard before. The Apostle John, when speaking of the unbelief of those who are following Jesus and looking for signs while still not believing in him, says in chapter 12, verses 37 and 38 of his gospel, Though he had done so many signs before him, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And finally, again, the Apostle John speaks of Christ as this servant when he references Isaiah 53, verse 3, and says concerning the incarnation in John chapter 1, verse 10, He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Beloved, Jesus Christ is God's servant. He's a servant that was prophesied all those years ago by the prophet Isaiah. This mighty arm of the Lord is God incarnate. And he was rejected and beaten and mocked and scorned and ultimately crucified by the very ones that he came to save. But knowing all of this, he still came. He is our hero in the fullest sense of the word. But he didn't come as some fabled Superman. He came as a baby born in the back stable of a village inn. He came as a man quietly coming to the great preacher of the day, John the Baptist, and asking to be baptized. This is the one who shook the Roman Empire. This is the one who is heralded as the savior of the world. Even though humanity said, no, no, this is not what we think the arm of the Lord should look like. We were expecting a mighty warrior clad with the best that the world has to offer in order to lead the way and to conquer. Even though the world says that, this is the one that almighty God provided for us. The same theologian that I quoted earlier in speaking of Christ says, Our eyes are caught and satisfied by superficial splendor. This man, says Isaiah, 
will have none of that. As a result, our eyes flicker across him in a crowd and we do not even see him. His splendor is not on the surface. And those who have no inclination to look beyond the surface will never even see him, much less pay him any attention. Unless God opens our eyes by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will miss him due to our sin. The reality tonight is that we have to ask ourselves a very sobering question. Am I guilty of the same dismissal? Am I guilty of missing Jesus Christ? These people are looking at God's servant and thinking, if not outright saying to themselves and others, this man is a loser. What can he possibly do for us? May this never be true of us. Some of you may find yourself asking, in light of the moral decline of the world around us and our crippling economy and the general uncertainty of life, what can some guy a couple of thousand years ago possibly have to say or do for me? Is someone or something other than God's servant? Is someone or something other than Jesus Christ? the person or the thing that you are turning to for deliverance. When chided by friends and family and co-workers, do you hide your face from him? Are you embarrassed by him? Are you embarrassed by his gospel? Friends, as, as we look to the audience of Isaiah's day in judgment, we must also look to them and see ourselves Apart from the saving grace of God. Apart from from the inner working of the Holy Spirit in our own fallen hearts. Apart from being washed by the blood of this Jesus. Because left to ourselves, we're no better. Trust in God's wonderful servant. His mighty arm. This this one who suffered inexplicable, inexplicable things on our behalf. Turn to him and find forgiveness for your sins and know that peace that surpasses all understanding that we are talking about this morning. You may be visiting with us here this evening and know that that you're looking for deliverance, that you're looking for salvation in all the wrong places. To you, I'd like to ask, what are you waiting for? Why are you holding back from turning to, to this servant of God? To to God's mighty arm. What's holding you back from turning to Jesus Christ? If you're looking for some answers someplace else, you'll never find them. Save yourself the heartache. Save yourself the frustration. Life is short. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out either to myself or any of the brothers and sisters here after the service. We'd love to, to help you out in any way that we can. Answer any questions that we can. Know that our great Savior has been given to us in God's servant, Jesus Christ our Lord. And let us all turn to him and find rest. May God grant it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you as, as the one who provided this servant who came to atone for his people. For being a God who saves his people in spite of them actively refusing this servant. 
We praise you that you have given us Jesus Christ, the the hero that we actually needed, not the one that we thought we wanted. Please forgive us for turning to people and, and to things other than your son for our refuge in this life. Forgive us for our idolatry. Forgive us for our weakness. Rather, turning to to Jesus Christ, we shamelessly, or shamefully rather, look the other way. Father, please forgive us for not loving you as we ought. Thank you uh, for loving us and for sending us your servant, Jesus Christ, while we were still your enemies. And thank you that in spite of our treatment of your only begotten son, you still saved us by his blood. Please, Lord, help us to turn to Christ in our times of weakness. Help us in our times of unbelief. Help us always to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have in him. Please be with our families gathered here tonight. Help us to rely on you and your son by your spirit during these uncertain times. That we would turn to you and your word for guidance. Help us to serve you well. Help us to be your servants. Help us to follow Christ's example. We ask this all in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, amen. That, I'd like to ask you now to turn in your Trinity Psalter hymnals, if you would, to hymn number 280, as we sing of our great king, crown him with many crowns, hymn number 280. What was it? 380. 380. Sorry for my typo. 380. That's on me.
Receive now your benediction, after which we'll be singing the Gloria Patri, number 571. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.